You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Take your Bibles, if you will. We're looking at Psalm 119. Psalm 119, and we'll begin in verse number 17. And I think in the app store, you just type in WVFV. And it will allow you to download that app there. Psalm 119, and we'll begin reading in verse number 17. And when you find your place there, if you're able, if you could please stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. Psalm 119 and verse number 17. The Bible says, Deal bountifully with thy servant, that I may live and keep thy word. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. My soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all times. Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. Verse 22, remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. Princes also did sit and speak against me, but thy servant did meditate in thy statutes. Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. And let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word and thank you for your people and the privilege that we have uh, to be here tonight on this Sunday night. I thank you for a wonderful Mother's Day. I thank you for our mothers. And I pray that you'd bless them and may we uh, show our love and our gratitude to our mothers for all that they do for us and all that they have done, all they continue to do, uh, their investment. Uh, in our lives, their prayers, their teaching, their training. I thank you for the uh, heritage that we have in uh, so many cases. And for those who do not have a Christian home, to those who have not had a Christian upbringing, I pray that we would make that decision to start a Christian home in us. And may we go forward, stay faithful to you, and may we see you do great and mighty things in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Psalm 119, I'd like for you to notice, uh, we won't get uh, through the entire psalm, obviously, but I'd like to cover a few verses. Notice verse 17, if you would. The psalmist David writes, in this psalm, 119, we told you last week, it is alphabetical. The Hebrew alphabet has 22 letters, and so each of the 22 letters in Psalm 119, there are eight verses for each of those letters. So if we said, for instance, I told you last week, but if we did it in, in our English language and we said, all right, here's eight verses and they all begin with the letter A. And then there's eight verses, they all begin with the letter B. And be easier to remember, be easier to memorize, it'd be easy to teach that. And so this was given as a, an instructional psalm, a, a psalm that, that shows the importance of the Word of God. This psalm is all about the Word of God. Verse number 17, David writes and says, Deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. Now think about this. If you're taking notes tonight, I'll give you a couple things to jot down. Number one, I'd like for you to jot down in verse 17. We see David's motivation. David's motivation, he says, God, I'm asking you to deal bountifully. 
What does that mean? It means to, to deal plentifully or to, to deal uh, graciously or to bless me is what David's saying. He says, God, I want you to bless me so that I can have a good life. Is that what he says? He says, I want you to bless me so I can have a comfortable life. God, I'd like for you to bless me so I don't have to work until I'm 80 years old. God, I'd like for you to bless me so I can retire early. And I don't know what retiring early is. Some of you have surprised me in this last year. You have retired and you are not even close to being old. So anyway, and then there's others, you know, Brother George, there's others that have retired recently that we still were surprised, you know, at, at your, your youthful, youthful age. Um, but what does David say? He says, Lord, I want you to bless me so that I can live for you. So that I can do what you've called me to do. Now, I'll tell you, we've got that flipped in the United States of America, in our Christianity. You know what we say? We say, God, I want you to bless me so I can have a lot of money and I can enjoy life and I can have a, an, an easy life and I can have a comfortable life. But David says, oh, no, God, I want you to bless me so that I can live for you, so that I can do what you've called me to do. Wouldn't that be great if that was our prayer? If we said, Lord, I want you to bless me and I want you to give me health because I'd like to serve you longer. God, I'd ask you to bless me with more money, not so that I can accumulate and not so I can stick it in a bank and not so I can stick it in a savings account so that when I die, my kids fight over it. But God, I want you to bless me so I can give to missions. God, I want you to bless me so I can give to help a Christian school. God, I'd like for you to bless me so I can give to see a bus ministry go. And God, I'd ask you to bless me so that I can help those that are in need. And can I tell you, that ought to be our motivation. God, I want you to bless me, not for me, not for my benefit, not for my glory, not for uh, my pleasure. But God, I'd ask you to bless me so that I can live for you and so that I can obey and keep your word. I want to remind you that life is a gift from God. Amen. And David did not take life for granted. David said, Lord, I'm asking you to bless me and deal bountifully with me and take care of me because every day is something that we do not deserve. Every day is a gift from God. We see in verse number 18, not only the motivation that David had, but we see the meaning of the word of God. The meaning of the word of God. Notice Psalm 119, verse 18. David says, and he's praying as he writes this particular verse of this psalm. He says, Lord, I'm asking you to open mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Now, he's not saying, God, my eyes are closed and my eyelids are shut and I need you to pry my eyelids open. Now, some of us, we've had days where we say, Lord, help me to keep my eyes open, you know. And some of us feel like the cartoon character sometimes where if we had a few toothpicks, you know, we could get those in there and maybe we could stay awake for a, a class or a church service. I was in men's prayer with 
myself and five men before the service. And uh, we went around the room and I went around the room. And I asked, hey, did you guys get a nap today? First one, yes. Second one, yes. Third one, yes. Fourth one, yes. Fifth one, yes. I said, guys, I said, that's perfect. Because if you guys all got a nap and I didn't, that means that we could preach for three hours and you guys would be fired up. And they said, no, I said, we've just, we got a nap today to make up for lost naps throughout the week, you know, and lack of sleep throughout the week. So we won't preach long, but I'm not talking about opening our eyes physically. That's not what David's talking about. He said, Lord, I need you to open my spiritual eyes. God, I need my spiritual eyesight because he said, there are some things in your word that I will only see if you show me and if you make it clear and if you make it visible. You see, I believe that this would be a great verse to pray every time that you open the Bible. Say, God, I've opened my Bible. Now I need you to open my eyes. I need you to show me some things. And we've all been there, have we not? Where we've read the Bible and it never really registered. It never really got a hold of us. We just read it just to go through the motions. But we ought to pray every time we read the Bible and say, God, help me to get something out of my Bible. God, give me exactly what I need for this day and this situation. The meaning of the Bible, it comes when God opens our eyes. Sometimes our eyes spiritually are not open. Think about that. Sometimes our eyes are not open spiritually and sometimes it's because of sin. You know, sin blinds us from the truths of God's word. Sometimes our eyes are not open because of casualness. We're just too casual. We're just too laid back. We really don't feel like we need something from God. Maybe we think, I've read this verse before. I've read this chapter before. I've read this book before. There's nothing new in there for me. Well, I got news for you. That might be true of a book you get off the shelf, but that's not true of the Bible. Because the Bible is a living book. It's a powerful book. It's a book that God can use to speak to you. You could read the same chapter every day for the rest of your life. And God could show you something that you've not seen before. The Bible is a powerful book. Sometimes our eyes are not open. I believe spiritual blindness has affected God's people. I believe we're living in a day when people are spiritually blind. I'll tell you why. Because there will be things that I would consider and you would consider to be very obvious. I'll give you one. You may not agree with it. You don't have to agree with it. You can disagree with God. It's that take it up with him. But the Bible is very clear about this matter of homosexuality. Okay, let me, let me just make sure that we're all on the same page. You don't have to say, man, I just want to make sure that this thought resonates in your heart and in your mind. The Bible is very clear that God is against. He's not for. He's not in favor of a man with a man and that relationship. God is not in favor of that. But we live in a society and it's not just the unsaved. I, I, sometimes I wonder about some of these people that claim to be saved. But there are people who sit in churches today. Now, hopefully not churches like this, 
But there are people who sit in churches and they have been sold a bill of goods by the media and by the world and by the devil. And they are now saying, you know what? That's just the way those people were born. That's just the way those people were wired. And who are we to say that they should not live that lifestyle? Let me, let me make sure to make this clear. We don't have a right to say anything apart from what the Bible says. But if the Bible says it, then we have every right to stand up and to preach the truth and to say that that kind of a lifestyle is an abomination. That's just one very obvious, very major issue. But yet we're seeing a nation that is being overtaken with spiritual blindness. That is as clear as the nose on my face. But some people don't see it. Can I tell you, we must every day pray that God would help us to keep our eyes open so we can see the truth of the word of God the way that God wants us to see it. Sometimes our eyes are not open. Sometimes we see things differently from the way that God intends for us to see them. The Bible says in verse number 18 that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. That word wondrous, it means marvelous. It means glorious things. And this book is filled with wonderful, glorious truths. But sometimes we read the Bible and it doesn't speak to us. We don't get anything out of it. If that happens, I want to remind us, the problem does not lie with the Bible. The problem is with us if we read it and it doesn't speak to us. The problem is with us, not the Word of God. You see, all of the answers for life are in this book right here. Every answer for every situation in life is in this book. You say, well, I was dealing with this one time and I couldn't find... Well, I'm not saying that there's an index. I'm not saying that it says, um, if, if you're having problems with a coworker, like I have a lot, and if I'm having problems with a coworker, and if Brother Dan Bybee is giving me trouble and he's frustrating me, and oh, I'm just telling you, well, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad I'm preaching on something where Brother Caleb's staying awake for it. He's responding, <laughs> saying amen. Mission accomplished. No, I'm just kidding. But, and so I say, well, you know, where does the Bible say if you're having trouble with a coworker? What you, no, 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 I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, if you'll go to the book and you'll say, God, how do I respond to this person? How do I react to this situation? If you'll read the Bible, and if you'll search the scriptures, can I tell you, you'll find the answer. And the Holy Spirit will speak to you. And you know what the Holy Spirit might do? He might show you it's not your coworker. You say, well, that wasn't the answer I wanted. Yeah, me neither. But it doesn't matter what answer I want or what answer you want. What matters is what does God have to say to us? And so this book is filled with the answers, but many times we don't see it because we read this book with our physical eyes and our, our mind, but we don't read this book with our spiritual eyes opened. And who can open our spiritual eyes? God can. Remember when Elisha and his servant, they were surrounded by the Syrian army 
And they said, oh, this is hopeless. And the servant said, hey, what are we going to do? And he panicked. And Elisha said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And when the servant went back outside, God opened his eyes and he saw, yes, there was a, an army of the Syrians, but there was an army of the angels of the Lord's host that were surrounding them. And can I tell you, if God be for us, who can be against us? But you're going to have to have your spiritual eyes open. Maybe right now your, your spiritual eyes are not open and all you see is you see a liberal agenda that is coming full force at our nation. And we're, you're seeing things and decisions that are made and you're seeing uh, uh, laws that are being passed and you say none of this is good and this is awful and, 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 and we're being destroyed and it seems like we're under attack and that's true, that's the way it seems. But can I tell you, God can give you victory and God can open your eyes and God can remind you of the fact that he's still on the throne and he's still in control and God's not sitting on the throne wondering what President Biden's gonna do next although all of us are wondering what he's going to do next. And God's not on the throne wondering, I wonder how long Biden's going to be president, and I wonder what's going to happen next. And God's not on the throne worried a single bit. He's got it all under control. But if our spiritual eyes are closed, we don't see that, and we don't think about that. We only focus on what we see and what we know in our finite minds. But I'm glad that God... And his word has the answers for every situation. Open thou mine eyes, David said, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Verse number 19, David said, I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. If you're jotting notes down, number three, I see that the Bible is a map. David said, I'm a stranger in the earth. And by the way, you and I are strangers on this earth. That word stranger, it means to be a sojourner. It means to be a pilgrim. We're just passing through. But can I tell you, as we're just passing through, we don't get too comfortable down here, but we should know where we're going. And we should know what God wants us to do. And the way we know is by opening the map, the word of God. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. The word of God shows us where we're supposed to go. We need someone to guide us every step of the way. If you've ever been going somewhere and you didn't know the address and you didn't have the map, but you were following someone, have you ever been doing that? The problem is when the person leading forgets that somebody's following. That's not good. And you're trying to keep up and you're running through red lights and you're running through everything. You're trying to speed to catch up. And then the person, when you get there, says, oh, I'm sorry, I was going a little too fast or I forgot and missed you at that light. Aren't you glad God doesn't get ahead of you like that? Aren't you glad God doesn't forget that you're following him? And he knows the way if you'll follow him. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. And I'm thankful that God gives us a map. God gives us directions. He leads us and guides us through this earth. Verse number 20, David says, My soul breaketh for the longing that it hath unto thy judgments at all times. That word, uh, the, the idea there, my soul is crushed, my soul is uh, breaketh, it literally is the idea of, of just being, being crushed, uh, being being 
devastated because of something that you need so desperately. And David says, my soul is crushed, my soul breaketh, not because of sorrow, not because of tragedy, not because of pain, not because of heartache, but he said, my, my soul breaketh, my soul is crushed for the longing, for the desire that I have for your judgments at all times. Do you get the idea that David had a great love for the word of God? He said, God, my heart, is, my heart and soul is crushed because I just, I want more of your word. I long for your word. I long to get in your word. I long to hear from you. God, I've got to know what you have for me. And David said, literally, I can't make it without your word. Number four, David said that God's word is a must. David refers in Psalm 119 to the word of God. He says, your commandments. He says, they're your laws. These are your statutes. And have you ever wondered why David referred to the Bible with those words in Psalm 119? The reason is that most of what David had of the Bible was the Old Testament law. Most of what David had was Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. David would have had some of the writings of, the, of Joshua and Judges, but keep in mind, Samuel uh, was literally a contemporary with David. We don't know how much that David had of that. And so David is referring to the Bible, and he's referring to his love for the Word of God, and much of what David had was the law. The part that we skip over, let's be honest, the part that we skim, the part that we're like, oh man, I got to read through these books of the Bible. Boy, these are hard. Those were the books that David said, I've got to have. Those were the things that David said, I need them. Why would David say that? Because it was the word of God. David said, God's got something for me in this law and I love it and I must have it and I long for it and it is powerful and it is the word of God. David only had a portion. David only had some of the Old Testament, but I got good news for you tonight, friend. We've got the whole thing. We've got the word of God from Genesis to Revelation. Now, keep in mind, David didn't have the prophecies. He didn't know the rest of the story. He didn't know about how exactly Jesus was coming back. And he didn't know exactly about the millennial reign. He knew that, that Jesus was coming. He knew that Jesus would sit on the throne. But he didn't have everything that we have. He didn't have the New Testament. He didn't have the, 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 the books of salvation and the books of grace and the books of forgiveness and the, the promises that we have. Can I tell you, if David loved this book, how much more so? We ought to love it and we ought to long for it and it ought to be a must in our lives. Verse 21, the Bible says, Thou hast rebuked the proud that are cursed, which do err or which do stray 
from thy commandments. I see number five. I see there's a mistake. The mistake is when any one of us becomes so proud that we think we don't need this book anymore. When we begin to err, when we get off track, when we make a mistake. Have you ever been going somewhere and somebody gave you directions and you kind of said, I think I know a better way. I think I know a shortcut. And you get off and you realize that shortcut's not working. And it seems like the further you go, the further off track you get. It's exactly what happens when we get away from the Word of God. When we stray from the Word and when we stray from God's commandments, can I tell you, that's an indication that we are proud. And that's a mistake every time to think that we know better than God. David said, Lord, help me not to be like the proud and help me not to err from thy commandments. Verse 22, David said, remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. That word reproach, the word contempt, literally it means a shame and a disgrace. If I were to say, and I'm, I'm curious what you would say, I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't follow this sport, so I'm not very knowledgeable about it. But if I would say, who would you consider to be the greatest golfer in recent history, who would you say? And I, I, I'm not sure what you would say, but I'm just curious. Who would you say? Tiger Woods. Anybody else think maybe Tiger Woods might be on that list? One of the best golfers in recent history? That's what I would have said. Not because I follow golf, but just that's a name I know. That's a name I've heard. I looked it up and Tiger Woods in his career, which by the way, he's still young. I don't know how much of a career he has left now. But he has won 82 PGA um, uh, matches, which is pretty, pretty good. If you win 82 PGA uh, uh, golfing, um, uh, I don't know, do you call them games? Tournaments, is that what you call them? Who said tournaments? Miss Ron, I see, I didn't know you knew about golf. Now, all I know is, all I know is about golf is I know when they get those touchdowns, I know that that is, that's incredible. Uh, that's what I know. And whenever I go golfing, I always win. I always win. I've got the highest score of anybody. And then they say I don't win. I think they're just jealous because I can get so many points. But Tiger Woods has won 18 majors. I don't know what majors are, but apparently that's pretty good. He's only trailing one other person, and that's Jack Nicholas, who has won 20. Tiger Woods has won 18 majors. 20 times in these professional matches. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about mini golf here, okay? Because I've had a few of these. But Tiger Woods has had 20 times he has had a hole in one. Now, you understand that's a long, long shot to get a hole in one. And again, I'm not talking about mini golf. I'm talking about real golf, 20 times. Tiger Woods, a few years ago, when he was at the top, when he was at the pinnacle, I say a few years ago, it's probably been 10 or more years ago now, but it came out that Tiger Woods 
had been having multiple affairs. And his whole world came crashing down. They interviewed Tiger Woods after the fact. And here's what Tiger Woods say, said, the number one golfer in the world at the time. Uh, they called him the Michael Jordan of golf. What Michael Jordan is to basketball, that's what Tiger Woods was to golf. He had everything going for him. He had endorsements. He had millions upon millions of dollars. He had a bright future, an amazing career, and many years ahead of him. But he said this. He said, I knew my actions were wrong, but I convinced myself that normal rules didn't apply. He said, I never thought about who I was hurting. Instead, I only thought about myself. He said, I ran straight through the boundaries that a married couple should live by. I'm not reading you the Bible. I'm telling you what Tiger Woods, who as far as I know, he's not a saved man, but he said this. He said, I thought I could break the rules. I thought I could live however I wanted to. He said this, I thought I could get away with whatever I wanted to. I felt that I had worked hard my entire life and I deserved to enjoy all the temptations around me. I felt I was entitled and thanks to money and fame, I didn't have to go far to find them. When they asked Tiger Woods, they said, what happened? He said, I stopped living by my morals. Again, this is not a saved man. This is not a preacher. This is not a Christian. This is someone who lost everything. And he said, I've been a disgrace. I've hurt my wife. I've hurt my kids. I've hurt my family. I've done all these things. And can I tell you how you and I can avoid that happening to us? Verse number 22, remove far from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimonies. David said, I'm not going to have to go through shame and disgrace if I will keep your testimonies. Now, I don't know if David wrote this before or after his sin with Bathsheba. But I'll tell you what, if David would have kept God's testimonies, he could have spared himself from a lot of shame and a lot of reproach. And friend, I want to tell you this. If we will obey the word of God, I know that sounds so simple. You say, Pastor, we came to church on a Sunday night to hear you say that we need to obey the Bible. That's exactly what you heard. And that's exactly what we, never, what we need to do. And that's what Tiger Woods, in essence, what he's saying, he said, I thought I could live however I want to, but I found out that I lost it all when I got away from my morals. I'll say this, we can't live however we want to, but we ought to live according to how God wants and intends for us to live. You say, well, what's, what are the benefits of that? Well, there's not the reproach. There's not the shame, there's not the regret, there's not the scars, and there is the joy and the peace and the satisfaction and the blessing of God. 
Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.